0: Welcome to Ground Up, a podcast about propelling entrepreneurship in Uganda. Brought to you by UEEI, the Uganda Entrepreneurial Ecosystem Initiative. I'm your host, Hamna Makadjo.
1: And I'm your host, Faye Kakai. Tune in every Monday for engaging one on one discussions. We'll be talking to a variety of entrepreneurs, support organizations, as well as hosting solution panels tackling specific topics on the ecosystem in Uganda. Okay, welcome to Ground Up. Today we're talking to an ecosystem actor from Mastercard Foundation. We have Angie Kerubo in the studio representing the foundation. She'll introduce herself shortly. If you're not subscribed to the podcast, do subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Welcome, Angie. Thank you. Thank you. Tell us about yourself. So, who is Angie Kerubo and what role do you play at Mastercard Foundation?
2: I am a program partner, Micro Small Medium Enterprises, and I'm based at the foundation office here in Kampala, Uganda. And I support our partners to design and implement projects around Micro Small Medium Enterprises. And before joining the foundation, I worked as a business management consultant in sub-Saharan Africa. For about eight years, I was working with uh, micro, small, medium, and enterprises to help them design uh, really good, effective business models, prepare them for funding, and actually help them to close funding from investors.
1: Uh, awesome. So could you tell us about the foundation as well, and also the um, the Young Africa Work strategy that the foundation is currently implementing how and why did you start and uh, what's this Young
2: Africa Work strategy all about? Great question. So we'll start with who the foundation is. So the foundation is one of the largest private foundations in the world with a mission to advance learning and promote financial inclusion. Our goal is to create an inclusive and equitable world. We were established in 2006 by MasterCard and we ha- we are an independent organization with our own board of directors and management. And to date, our work has been with visionary organisations that enable young people to access dignified and fulfilling work in Africa and indigenous communities in Canada. As you mentioned, Young Africa Works strategy. So yes, we are implementing a ten-year strategy called Young Africa Works, and our vision is to enable 30 million young Africans, young men and women, uh, in the next decade to, to secure dignified and fulfilling work. 30 million of those jobs, 70% will go to young women. Uh, So it's a gender transformational strategy because we believe that youth uh, or young people, especially when they gain employment, that is the key to unlocking prosperity, not just for themselves, their communities, but also our economies. In Uganda, I think it's important for me to mention this, um, our strategy uh, seeks to create jobs for young men and women, 3 million jobs. Again, 70% of those will be for young women. And uh, we're looking to do this in the next 10 years. Okay, awesome. So the strategy has
1: three key sectors that we know that you focus on, which are agriculture, digital economy, and as well as MSMEs. Why did you choose these particular sectors to focus on?
2: I think it's important to start from, you know, our main vision for Uganda as a team. Our goal and what we hope to achieve is that through Young Africa Works we create a robust and resilient private sector. Our strategy is private sector led one because we believe that with a private sector we can be able to create sustainable jobs. And from there our priority sectors as you mentioned are agriculture, digital economy and MSMEs. Why MSMEs? We know that about almost 80 to 90% of the private sector in Uganda comprises micro, small and medium enterprises. So they hold a lot of the growth that we can be able to get in terms of employment in the next decade. So our strategy seeks to support these businesses to scale and grow and access the resources they need to be able to create jobs and grow. And of course, as I mentioned earlier, um, support their communities and the entire economy. Why agriculture? You know, agriculture is the backbone of um, our economy as Uganda has been for the longest time. And from our extensive consultative uh, engagements in the in the country, as well as looking at our previous programs, our current programs, it continues to be a key player in the economy. So we, won't, we do want to create uh, jobs in the agricultural sector. But for young people, what we want to do is think about what the future of work in agriculture looks like. We know young people say agriculture is not exciting, it's not alluring, so we want to innovate around that. So what kind of jobs can we create in the agricultural sector for young people? And um, what opportunities lie for Uganda in the region as a food basket, you know, can we take advantage of regional trade? You know, can we export uh, and add value to some of the crops we have? Um, Digital economy, um, and not sound like a cliche, I think COVID-19 did, remind us how important uh, digital technologies are. And so we uh, see an opportunity in digital economy, not only to create jobs, but as an enabler on all the other sectors. So when I mean by an enabler to increase access to financial services, e-commerce, you know, like what Jumia is doing and other logistics apps like Uber and, and Bolt, among other safe border, I will have to mention that. So we see it as an opportunity not only to enable growth efficiency in these other sectors, but we will be able to create jobs for young people through that. I have to mention there are other sectors that we are also very keen on and would love to continue exploring in the next 10 years. So that's tourism, because, you know, even before COVID-19, um, was employing up to 600,000 Ugandans. So there's a lot of opportunity we can tap into that, as well as construction. As we continue to urbanize, there'll be a lot of opportunity there. Another sector is light manufacturing, but let me stop there. But those are the core priority sectors.
1: Oh, okay, interesting. Why light man- manufacturing? Because you've spoken to the rest. It would be interesting to know why you also chose to focus on light manufacturing.
2: Light manufacturing is interesting. um, And I think these are some of the sectors I would say we want to see where the opportunities lie. Mainly because even right now, a lot of um, young people, if you're not in, for example, in agriculture, if you're not producing uh, goods and services or goods, for example, on the the farm, Mm -hmm. you're sort of adding value a bit, right? Or you're producing goods that can be used or services that can be used on on the ground. So we've seen a lot of young people, especially young women, engage in um, some form of light manufacturing for example soap production and um we do see that as an opportunity for us to to venture into
0: um so so it's it's very commendable that you you, you know as the foundation you're trying to push this great number of jobs um the question i'd have to you is is how we, we know the sectors you're, you're focusing on what, what what does the how look like because we've been on a particular trajectory over the past few years, then you're trying to make this step change. How, how is that going to happen?
2: Great question. Through our partners. So our approach is a bit different. Um, we, we work through our partnerships. And I will say partnerships a lot through our episode because, honestly, we can't do it all, uh, as you know. So through our partners, and actually we set a target that we want to, at least 85% of our partners have to be African organizations. Why? Because one, they're able to contextualize the problems on the ground. Two, they're able together, collectively, we can co-create solutions that are sustainable and relevant for our market. So when you say how, um, we want to work very closely through our partners on the ground, Ugandan partners. To think about how can we create jobs, the other how, as you as we talked about earlier, is you know uh, what are sectors. So when we think about partnership with uh, organisations, we um, now when you look at a sector basis, for example, micro small medium enterprises, our goal is think about what are the barriers in the sectors for enterprises to scale and grow. Uh, one of them is finance. One of them is skilling. So, which partners can we work with in this particular facets that we can, you know, support uh, or partner with to be able to remove these barriers so young people can secure dignified and fulfilling work? And yeah, so mainly, who can we work with to remove these barriers to ease that uh, opportunity for young people to get skill, to get employed, or to employ themselves and uh, grow their businesses? Yeah,
0: uh, make it make, make this more vivid for us. So, so can you give me an example of a partnerships where you? You're using whatever model it is you're using to to drive the number of jobs. What does that involve exactly? How does that work?
2: Um, A good example, let me use the Private Sector Foundation partnership we have because they are our anchor partner. And um, we have a lead farm structure partnership, which is quite interesting. You know, in Uganda for the longest time, we have this big corporate that are, you know, they dominate in the local market and also have been able to take advantage of other regional and international market. One question we had is if we can be able to support these big corporates to scale and grow, what opportunities can we unlock down the value chain in terms of uh, people that supply to them? As they grow, how many people can they employ? So with a private sector foundation, we have a lead firm structure where they've identified lead firms in different sectors. And we draw up a plan with them. What's your business model looking like for the next 10 years? And based on that, if you receive support or if we work together, uh, for example, if you're in the coffee value chain and you export coffee, um, in the next 10 years, you probably want to deepen your work. So that means if we work together, support you to unlock more markets, you're able to source from more farmers, from more smallholder farmers, and hence you're able to create jobs. Another partnership, I would say, is with, with the Innovation Village. Mm-hmm. They are a launchpad for entrepreneurs. So you can get skilling, markets. They have that community of entrepreneurs where you can co-create solutions on. But they also have the Motive Space, you know, which is this hub for creatives. If you're in podcasting, you're a fashionpreneur, and you're looking to develop a marketable product, you can go there. They can help you design your product. And they even have a, an online marketing platform called Omileso. Where you can be able to sell your products, so that's how we do. How how we see we can be able to to create jobs. So through partnerships, designing solutions that are contextualized for our market, and of course, um, yeah, seeing that through.
0: Great. So um, let's step back a bit and just look at the ecosystem. So it's great you work with players within the ecosystem. Uh, and uh, I, I must commend the foundation because you've, you've you've really shown um, you've demonstrated the res market how to work through other inter- intermediaries to 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 get to a particular goal um, when you when when you sort of scan our SME entrepreneurial landscape what 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 sort of gaps do you see with respect to actually achieving your goal of, of, of creating this x number of jobs uh, where do you see the the, the gaps and uh, and uh, maybe what kinds of ideas are starting to pop up in terms of um, you know closing those gaps?
2: So in terms of the gaps, let me look at them in two phases. Let me say at the enterprise level mm-hmm. so they're the usual we know you know accessing finance, markets and skilling right and um, that's continuing to you know find ways to provide that to entrepreneurs is key. that's what we see. Yeah. And um, as you said, What has been coming up? What's new? Um, One is, can we tailor make this support for the different types of entrepreneurs? So we know majority of our enterprises are micro, they're small. Um, What we've heard from them, especially from young people, is, can you give me some sort of a startup kit? You know, I would like to go to one organization or institution and receive finance receive skilling, and also find a way to identify a market. Why? Because I don't want to go skill in one organization for six months, go to another for another six months. So what you've done is literally I have 12 months to launch to market, you know. Mm -hmm. Is there a way to customize that sort of startup kit for me so I can get, you know, A, B, and C to get me started, you Mm -hmm. know, and bring those partners on board? So that's one of the things I think we can do. To, to support enterprises. And another thing is um, for the larger businesses, the ones that have you know, been in business for a long time, two years, already have uh, a revenue, maybe not profit, mm-hmm. is to ta- start thinking about how can we tailor make both skilling finance to suit their businesses. You know, if it's finance, what other innovative financial uh, products can we provide for them? You know, it could be asset financing, just working capital financing For young women, it could be non-collateralized loans, uh, patient capital, especially for those innovative sectors and ETC. So honestly, at the enterprise level, it's just continuing to deepen that market finance and skilling. At the ecosystem level, I mean, and I'm here with UEI, there's still a lot we can do. But I think as you've seen in in the past 10 years, a lot of us have come to the market, which is great. But we don't want to be working in silos. So how can we collectively come together to co-create solutions, find complementarities, how can we work together? If you're in finance and you know the foundation has an access to finance program, how can we come together? So we are, you know, we're moving together collectively. So at the ecosystem level we need to find those platforms where we convene, we talk, we collaborate so we can deepen our impact.
0: And I'm gonna go a little deeper in that. So so we know um, what you're saying is, is, is true and I guess it's known. And every, I feel like every actor within the ecosystem sort of knows that we need to work together, blah, 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 you know. What do you think is, is, is the actual stumbling block to this actually happening? Cause we know the issue, what, what's stopping us from, um, you know, putting our heads together, coordinating our activities and, 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 and uh, closing the gaps we need to close.
2: Great question. I don't think there's anything big that's stopping us. It's just that you know we've been developing a lot in our organizations. Sadly, because of COVID nineteen, we're also just in our own cocoon. Yep. I think honestly, Ham, the biggest one I can think of. It's time to act, right? Yeah. No more. Hey, we're developing. We're strategizing. We're doing our own thing. It's time to act. Um, so it's time for us to come together. I don't see any impediments, mm. um, especially you know when you reached out and said we have UEI now. Honestly, there's really no reason. It's just time for us to come together. And when we come together, it's important for us to start saying we came together to be able to share the outcomes of some of these partnerships and, and um, learnings. You know, come together humbly and say, you know, actually, when I came to this table, I didn't know what we're doing was wrong. And now I've learned something new. I've identified a new partner and ETC. So it's just time for us to act right now. Okay,
0: great. And uh, we, in in this regard, so what what are the sort of lessons um, you guys have at the foundation have um, have have come across that can 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 help us um, that you can share with the rest of the ecosystem in terms of uh, how to go about closing the the gaps we've been talking about?
2: We'll need more than an hour for that, uh, Let's so we'll skip it. <laughs> <laughs> Level, high level, high, you know, okay, let's, let me cover the ones I can cover if yep. you'd like to d- uh, dive deeper, we can. So, first of all, with our engagement with young people, I think one of the biggest learnings was that, especially because uh, one of our strongest pillar is inclusivity. So we want to deepen our work with young women, uh, refugees and their host communities, people with disability, And um, so one of the things we've learned, especially even just the past couple of months with COVID-19, is that we need to adapt. We need to be very flexible with programming. um, And if you're, you know, implementing programs, you need to go to where the young people are. You know, you can design great solutions, but when you go to the ground and you see the reception is not strong, adapt. Adapt very fast. Think about how can I engage these young people? What do they need? Like when I was telling you agriculture is not exciting, it may be exciting to one demographic. Well, if it's not exciting for young people, that's not a gap. What can we do? Yeah. Um, The other thing we've learned is that especially for the MSME sector is we need to think about um, financial services deeply. Uh, What we've noticed is that Grassroot financial providers are actually really doing way more with regards to access to finance. So how can we innovate around that? You know, how can we establish trust? How can we improve service delivery to ensure more people are accessing finance and using financing in the right way, both in terms of investment, uh, building wealth for their own families and ETC. Another core learning, as I think we talked about it when, when it came to convening, is that we need to collaborate and work together. And uh, I'm pretty happy with where we're at with the current Young Africa partners. We meet, uh, we talk about challenges, but we realize that we all don't have the solutions. So we co-create together. So continue to convene and work together. Um, And lastly, and I know I probably talk about this a bit later, is when it comes to working with women, uh, we need to be intentional in design, so both call out, you know, what our vision and target is, our approach, but also one thing we've also realized is that we need to start collecting the stories, uh, gender-disaggregated data we need to share, and this the, the platform will actually create that, you know, so that somebody who's coming into the market, you're not making the same mistakes or going through the same things we went through last time, so, yeah.
1: Great. Yeah, great. So you've talked about something, about focus on women, and um, even earlier on as you were sharing your lessons, you talked about focusing on particular disadvantaged groups, but I want us to sort of dive deeper into this deliberate um, decision to focus on women. There are a lot of people who believe that um, the playing field is level now. Girls are going to school, women are getting corporate jobs, women are starting businesses, so, why uh, could you just tell our listeners why you chose to focus on women and particularly young women between the ages of eighteen and thirty five? Why is this important,
2: and how does this actually
1: benefit us all?
2: Great question, Faye. Um we have to invest in women. You know, I'm happy that we, as the globe, actually have been making more strides with regards to removing barriers for women, but the work is not yet done. There's still more that we can do. And what's guiding this for us even like Uganda is the data and the statistics, right? Um, You mentioned the demographic young people, um, you know, over 80% of Ugandans actually are youth under the age of 30. So in the next decade, we still have more people coming into the market but we don't have enough jobs to cater for them. So uh, our unemployment uh, rates continue to rise. Now, when you look at the number for women, it's still not, it's even double the amount. So there's still more young women who are not able to access employment or even have the resources they need to uh, create their own employment or become entrepreneurs. So for us, this is at the heart of the strategy. We can't move away from the data and what we're seeing. We want to join that agenda. And many of the ecosystem actors, I'm sure, would agree and are on that journey. So we're doing a lot. There's still way more we can do. And, um, you know, when you say why women? um, Women are power agents in their communities in terms of, you know, mentorship, the role they play at home, and really, really, really believe that, for example, if we're going to solve or create more jobs, we need to invest in our women. If we look at entrepreneurship in Uganda, for example, about... 34 to 40% of the micro, small, medium enterprises are owned by women. But when you look at the statistics deeper, you see that these women are in the micro businesses, they've owned them for a long time, they're not scaling, they're struggling to access finance, they're struggling to negotiate for contracts to increase their market. And so if we really are going to create employment, shouldn't we also move and think, okay, how can we scale up these young enterprises, these young women enterprises? So if we all collectively scale them, we are creating more jobs. Yeah, so we have to invest in women. We we definitely do.
1: Yeah, I agree. And you mentioned something about women are they're setting up businesses, micro uh, micro businesses, and they're sort of staying at that stage. They're not growing. They're not scaling. So from your experience and observation and the research that you've done as well, what are these barriers? Like, what exactly is it that is what's stopping women? from being able to scale? What are the unique um, barriers that they face? And how can how can we start to sort of overcome those or, you know, resolve some of those issues?
2: Great. Let me l- look at it as um, a young woman entering the market um, to get employment, you know. Um, and one of our biggest aha moments as we're also, you know, thinking about how to deliver our strategy is that we need a lot of mentorship for young girls, you know, to build up their confidence and their belief that they can take up any job that they want, yeah? So that's one of the things that, um, you know, we need to even you and I, you know, we have to build our confidence to show up at work, to keep at it, and to believe we can do anything we want to do. So, there's need for that mentorship, coaching, and to highlight this um, young women leaders that are, you know, have made that stride, and they can be looked up to as, um, you know, change change makers and and motivate other young women. Another one is networks and platforms. Um, we talk about democratizing information. So, as a young woman, probably. Um, Um, You know, I'm I'm not sure of the jobs available when I'm, you know, finishing school. So, right now, um, how can we ensure more of those platforms exist? So, if a young woman wants to access a job in one sector, they know, you know, how to go about it, how to apply for that job, and how to continue growing within that role. And uh, when we look at um, the entrepreneurs now, young, you know, you said the micro, small, medium enterprises... The biggest one is finance. Um, We need to continue supporting young women to access finance. And that's thinking about for a micro micro business that is owned by a woman, you'll see that a lot of the issues sometimes are I don't have collateral to get a very big loan. Or my collateral is co-owned with my husband. And so I have to go and ask for permission to access that collateral to get loans. So thinking, as I was saying earlier, how we can innovate around finances this is already happening. There are very many banks that are providing non-collateralized collateral loans and how can we continue to grow that? How can we build social capital as an alternative for collateral finance? You know, um, how if we're a community or a group of women, how can we use that to get more financing? Another one is markets. Um, and I You know, I cannot emphasize more how important markets are. Mm -hmm. The reason why a business will stay small is because, one, you're not thinking about how to innovate around service delivery, how to, you know, have really good products and services that are fetching higher prices and higher markets, sorry, um, high value from the market. So what can we do to support women to think about how to negotiate contracts, how to supply to the region and the opportunities around that, so that specifically is 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 key. And um, lastly, I think also women thrive when their communities, there's a network. They continue to learn from one another. You'll find um, unfortunately sometimes, you know, micro small uh, businesses, especially women, they'll stay in that one small cocoon. How can we create more uh, women-based os- um, organizations like the Uganda Women Entrepreneur Association and amplify them to, you know, find these women and bring them together and collectively, collectively they can think about how to grow their businesses. And um, as a ecosystem um, what are those issues that are affecting women and how can we support in driving you know good policies or policy implementation to support the women you know um, for example in agriculture you might find that if I want to grow my crops and I don't have land how can I lease land you know and so what are those policies we can support um, or amplify to to solve some of the gender agenda uh, issues? And um, yeah, those are those are some of the ones I can think of right now.
1: My next question is why, in relation to some of the things that you pointed out, like you talked about um, women not having access to the right information, or you talked about like a lack of confidence and a confidence building that needs to take place. Why is it? Why is it that these things are affecting women not as much as they are affecting men? Um, from that gender perspective, is it? Uh, a cultural thing is it a
2: mindset thing? What is what do you believe is the underlying issue? Uh, those two things: um, societal cultural norms that we'll need to collectively address, um, as well as mindsets. Um, and if I think about what's the one way to change mindset, is that. From a young age, um, I have people around me that encourage me. When I go to school, I have teachers and friends who encourage me and help me build my character and all that to be able to grow and uh, know I can take advantage of opportunities. So that's why for us um, as a foundation, when we know for a fact that, especially in the education and skills sector, we need to find those mentorship coaching programs that support young women to no, they can you know take over the world um yeah. literally so that's what i would say yeah awesome and how does uganda benefit so in this um
1: this state that we are striving to where we have more women that are empowered that um, are having thriving businesses that are scaling and growing um when we look at the big picture how do how does like economy and how does uganda benefit what would an ideal uganda look like with these objectives have been achieved
2: yeah, um, and uh, what we did as a foundation, because at the center of our strategy, our young women, was we, we thought about that young woman in the rural area who is the cradle of her community, and we call her Nabakosa. And so every time we ask ourselves, what does Nabakosa need to scale and grow? So what's the upside of of Uganda in investing in women for me is having millions of nabakozas who have um, good employment, and are able to positively affect their communities, their children. Um, they are leaders, they are power agents, and so they are able to voice challenges that their communities are facing. In terms of the economic um, upside for Uganda, I think as we called it earlier, if we are going to uh, drive change, improve employment. We have to think about how to support the other half of the economy that's owned by women. You know, how can we skill women to be able to get really good jobs, both uh, nationally, internationally? How can we support young women enterprise, young women led enterprises to access resources to scale and grow? So everything around that. The upside is that, one, we are driving change for everyone, but also um, if young women succeed, we all succeed together.
0: So we've talked about uh, women and the importance. We've, I, mean, I think this is, this has been talked about for a very long time, and I think it's uh, you'd you'd hardly find anyone who doesn't appreciate the need to support and invest in women. The question to you is, why do you think that? We're still at the, you know, we're still talking. It doesn't seem like um, we are, we're we we're we're gaining very huge strides on implementing whatever strategies we come up with. W- w- what's happening um, with regard to the appreciation that women uh, need to be central to our development and 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 therefore put all our resources behind that?
2: Um, you know, how Actually, it's uh, when you say we're not seeing um, growth or uh, progress, it's because. We actually haven't been, uh, as a, an ecosystem, we need to continue gathering evidence on what has worked and how much we've uh, we've been able to make or progress that we've been able to make. So when you say, I think we have been making strides um, mm-hmm. and I know a lot of development partners, even private sector actors have been putting gender at the front of their strategy, you know. Um, and so I know for a fact that a lot has been happening. You know, I think the question is that do we have a platform where we amplify these stories and say, what have we learned? You know, are we gathering that evidence? One of the things we've learned um, is that we need to incorporate gender or mainstream gender in our operations. So one, disaggregate our data. So when we're reporting... Even our own financial reports, our progress, we need to continue highlighting this percentage are women, or we've done this and this, but this percentage has worked for us, you know, so have more gender disaggregated data mainstream in, in our operations, our reporting, so it's at the forefront, you know, keep putting it at the forefront. And then another part I think we'll keep, and we talked about this um, earlier, is um, amplifying these other uh, women-based organizations in our communities and finding them and actually creating a platform for them to tell us what's working, what's not, and how can we co-create around that. So um, to be honest, I feel, you know, let's use the UEI platform to one, collectively come and talk about what we've been doing and how we can do it more. And um, I think that's one way to show, hey, we're making a case for investing in women. And people will see, oh, yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. Actually, there's a report that uh, Shell Foundation did with Value for Women, and they were assessing the positive business impact of investing women in their um, renewable energy solar value chain. And they saw there was an increase in sales um, as well as customer value. Interestingly, and uh, they just mainstream gender. So they had more women, uh, female representatives, more women on the ground that were showing uh, households how to install solar and ETC. And, you know, those stories, that's one of the reports that you reference a lot because you have the data, you can show you like, OK, this makes a lot of sense. And these are the some of the strategies that they use. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, so uh, great about this Shell Foundation study. Um, I'm, I'm going to come back to the foundation, uh, Mastercard Foundation. So, what what are those stories? Wh- wh- what's that data? What are those learnings that that we need to be screaming about that have come out of um, your engagement so far?
2: So, I mean, we've made significant progress. We are making progress. I think um, this might be a really good segue to talk about some of the partnerships. We have and uh, a lot of the key learnings we're seeing so far. Um, I will start with the High Innovator program um, that we are implementing in partnership with NSSF Uganda Mm -hmm. and Outbox is our lead implementer. And um, the program has an LMS platform, a learning management system where entrepreneurs of all sizes can go to the platform and, uh, go through, um, a seven cost business module, um, that covers, you know, everything from leadership, team management, sales, um, finance, investment. And after that, you get a certificate. But that's not actually the main um, exciting thing about it is that um, an enterprise can learn at their own pace. And um, what we did is also incorporate a lot of local uh, business studies. Now, to talk about what we should shout about is I was looking recently and we're going to publish some of the exciting stories is that I'm seeing some of the feedback from entrepreneurs. They say, you know, this is exciting to read. But what's more exciting is that I can see some local entrepreneurs that I can reference and uh we so relate, relate to relate right? to yeah um you look at the stories like oh wow and cibu is funding okay and this is what he talks about his journey as an entrepreneur and um that's you know, one of the stories we want to continue highlighting we're in our second year of implementation so um look out on the high innovator website for more um another amazing um, development i would say we would love to to talk about is with the innovation village And um, mainly, as I think I talked about it earlier, it's a launchpad for entrepreneurs. So you're a young entrepreneur, you're looking for the basic things we talked about, develop uh, a really good business model, access skilling, access finance, and um, if you're in the creative space, there's a community for you to um, innovate, develop, and even launch your product. We're really excited about that because we've seen so many good impact stories from young women who, um, at the wake of COVID-19, were able to quickly take advantage of the opportunity to produce masks. Yeah. Um, and when you visit the the motive space, um, I mean, I've been able to buy some of the products. You see some really unique woodwork and, and arts and crafts that um, uh, they're actually at the global standard level and they've been able to learn the skills there. So we're really proud of that partnership and looking forward to seeing um, I- its potential growth. But if I remember, one of the key outcomes of the Uganda Entrepreneur uh, Ecosystem Initiative Phase 1 report about Uganda was that A lot of our entrepreneurial activities are centered around Kampala. And uh, with this uh, partnership with the Innovation Village, we've been able to scale the spaces across um, Uganda. So we have spaces in, in Barara and in Gulu. And you know what that means is that entrepreneurs have a place to learn. They have a place to to um, to come together and get this same support. So we're sort of decentralizing that um, scaling. It's not centered in one area, but we are ensuring that it's inclusive and, and um, it's scalable. It's everywhere. So entrepreneurs can be able to get that support. Um, Another partnership I would like to highlight that um, I think has had really good progress is with the Goody Leisure Farm. And uh, Goody Leisure Farm provides skilling and that startup kit support I mentioned, so even access to markets and finance um, in the white meat value chain. So they identify young um, entrepreneurs, young men and women who are interested in agribusiness, particularly livestock farming, and want to learn how it is, how to, you know, set up a chicken farm, for example. And they've received support to 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 not only launch and scale their business, but also find markets. And we're really proud of that partnership. So we continue to amplify um, the results of our partners. And if you go to even their websites, they talk a lot about the impact stories because that's where you see the, you know, the change. You talk about, um, sorry, you see entrepreneurs talking about the stories. Um, you know, I showed up, I had nothing to my name. Um, maybe I received support, I'm able to do X, Y, Z, you know, those impact stories. So that's what I'd say. You know, those are the, that's what we are proud of, honestly, um, our partners and how much they've been able to, to achieve.
0: Wow, that's, that, that's a lot. And uh, yeah, we look forward to, um, you know, the foundation coming and, 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 and working with us to amplify these and other impact stories that are coming out of the efforts.
1: So Angie, when all is said and done, what does success look like for the Mastercard Foundation? What is success? How do you define it, and how do you ensure that you achieve it?
2: So um, I remember when I mentioned Nabakosa, uh, our young woman. Um, when I think how did you come up with that name, by the way? Where is Nabakosa from? <laughs> <laughs> Um, it was one of our. I think we we're at a co-creation session of the private sector foundation, and we thought, you know, we need a north star. We need a, a lady that keeps reminding us why we're doing what we're doing. And um, yeah, we collectively came with uh, came up with the name Nabakosa. I really like the name. Not yeah.
0: Namboze. <laughs> Namakula, maybe.
2: Oh well, she represents all of them. You know, we have <laughs> Nabakosa, yeah. uh, Namboze, many of them. But awesome. You know, when we think about what success is, it starts with the young men and women. Um, you know why? Because I, as I mentioned, the ripple effect and growth and and support um, of them. Like if we see Nabakosa, you know, being able to get good employment. Um, or is able to make enough income to take care of her households, there's a really good positive ripple effect in her community. Mm -hmm. And um, so when we look at success for us, is that we'll have millions and millions of them, um, you know, that are able to secure dignified and fulfilling work. And we know that for a fact, um, that is prosperity for her home, her household, her community and the country in general, and not just the young women, but also the young men as well. So how can we, that's success for us. You know, if we have many young people that are able to uh, secure good employment that keeps them engaged, they are creative, then that means we're transforming our society. And when you look at the next generation, we're all set up for success. So that's, that's success for us. Yeah. And then I think the other key part of that is how can that be
1: achieved? How does the foundation believe that we get to that place where we have many nabakosas and they're thriving and they have dignified and fulfilling work? So mm-hmm. how do we get to that place?
2: One, I think, so for us, we've you know we set out the strategy. We have an approach. Uh, we'd love to continue deepening our work, which means working with other partners uh, in addition to the seven that we have. But um, there's also this call to action to collectively come together together um, we can't achieve this alone. So we know that um, there are other facets of, of our um, our country that we can be able to to influence and support. So how can we do that? Uh, I think collectively coming together, um, having a shared vision, which I think we already do, many of us do, and working together towards that. Um, as a foundation, as I mentioned, uh, we have a bold gender transformational strategy that we're implementing. We're here for ten years plus. Um, we've been here since 2008, we continue to deepen our work, um, and, um, I'm sure over time we'll continue to build more and more partnerships. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what we can all do together. Awesome. So speaking of shared vision and deepening
1: partnerships, how can other ecosystem actors in Uganda collaborate with the foundation and
2: partners? How does someone go about this? Um first, right now, I'd say, you know, immediate would be to speak to our partners. Um, we have the seven partners I mentioned. Um, I referenced, I think, Private Sector Foundation, the Innovation Village, um, High Innovator, which is with NSSF um, and um, also Good Leisure Farm um, and, you know, reaching out to the partners Understanding the what they're working on and seeing how you can work with them—that's one way through our partners. But uh, we are also in the process of wrapping up our strategy, so we can begin development. Um, we we took sorry um, delivery sorry of the of the strategy. We took um, a few like six months to just reimagining what our strategy look like and how we want to go about delivering it. So we will be um, seeking new partnerships um, in the coming years. So I think I'd say we, we actually co-create a lot with, with the ecosystem. So one, I'm hoping that we can meet more new partners when we come for our sessions, um, our ecosystem initiative sessions, mm-hmm. and get to see where we have you know shared values, shared uh, vision, and we can work together.
0: So are there any upcoming events, any upcoming convenings that uh, uh, MasterCard Foundation uh, has on the horizon that you'd like our listeners to to be aware of?
2: To be honest with you, right now, um, also because we just came from our second wave of Mm COVID-19, we have been using the time uh, to re-strategize and make plans as we, of course, see how the, you know, where we are at exactly, um, and but our partners have been having um, some you know really cool uh, programs and and, and um, um, you know events. So I mentioned the High Innovator program. So they launched in uh, May of this year, but I know uh, soon they will be having you know a few webinars where young people can ask and learn more about the the platform and um i will share with you so you can post on the um, on the website um also the uh, the innovation village um i think they want to see how they can market motive to be able to attract more um creatives so i will share that i think as we go um as a foundation more to come for now we are also uh, trying to observe OSOPs, thinking about you know when we're ready to leave and go out. Uh, what can we do? We're trying to do what we can virtually right now. But um, yeah. Awesome. So, any final thoughts? Any parting words as we conclude uh, that you'd like to share with our listeners? Um, I know our listeners are ecosystem actors in Uganda um, as, as well as entrepreneurs. As well as entrepreneurs. Uh, so let me start with entrepreneurs. We would love to hear from you. Continue working with you. Please share with us your. Uh, experiences, your challenges um, through platforms like this or through our partners, uh, but we're here to support you. We're here to work together. Um, so I'm excited about the future uh, and looking forward to that. To fellow ecosystem actors, um, I'm looking forward to more co-creation, working together um, and collectively finding ways to to collaborate. So, yeah.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much, Angie. Thank you for making the time and uh, all the best uh, with looking out to see what, what next is coming from the foundation as you move towards implementing um, Young yeah, Africa Works. Yeah, the strategy. So, yeah, thank you so much from ground up.
0: Yeah, looking forward to those uh, three million jobs they're creating. Thank
1: you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Tune in to Ground Up every Monday. Subscribe and share this content if you find it useful. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever else you listen to podcasts.